All right, let's see. Uh, YouTube says I am live. I never do YouTube live. This is totally new to me, guys. So I don't know if anybody's going to show up or nobody's going to show up, but I wanted to spread the love a little bit. It's uh, 3.30 in the afternoon. It's Monday, August 19th. This will obviously stay up the channel. I'm going to post that on Facebook and the Facebook group when I'm done. I see a couple of people are here. I don't know who. If you're here and you could comment, say that you're here, I guess. And if you want to ask questions, by all means, ask questions is why I'm doing it live. The other reason why I'm doing it live is that it's just easier than recording it and uploading it. So um, I'm just going to kind of get right into it. And I want to talk today about what you should do when you fail. So let's take the example of an exposure, right? You want to do an exposure of some kind. You have it planned. Today, I'm going to go out and, you know, whatever, drive to the supermarket and do some shopping. And you go out and you do it. And it turns out not so great. Like you get into the supermarket. Joyce is here. What's up, Joyce? Um, I'm just going to watch the comments, by the way, but uh, I'm just going to wait and we'll see what happens. Um, so let's say you get out and you go to the supermarket and it doesn't go as well as you want it to go. Uh, maybe you get into the supermarket and you start to feel anxiety and you let it get away from you and you wind up in a, in a panic. And so you quickly like drop everything and, and, you know, run back to the car and run home. And I see this all the time, and we had in the Facebook group, and by the way, in the description of this video is a link to the Facebook group. If you want to join it, go over and ask to join, and we'll get you in. But today, one of the group members had actually posted about that. Um, she went to work. It wasn't an exposure, kind of is. Went to work, just had a bad day, got really panicky at work, and, and left, like kind of went into escape mode. It happens. It's going to happen to everybody. Like not every day is awesome. Not every exposure is perfect. Like there's going to be days when you kind of have a little bit of a fail, but it doesn't have to stay a fail. That's the important thing. What do you do? Hey guys, a um, couple of people are in, I see. So what do you do when you experience what is kind of what you're thinking as failure? The first thing I want to tell you is that this is important. I can tell you exactly what you should not do. First thing I'm going to tell you is what not to do. You're going to wind up back in your safe zone. It's over. And the natural thing is to want to like tell the story. You know, whether you're in a support group or my Facebook group or wherever you happen to be, you're going to, you know, oh, I wanted to do this. It didn't work out. You know, I felt terrible. I had a panic attack. I was anxious. I left. I went home. I failed. This sucks. I want to, you know, I want to get better. So you start to tell that story or even worse, you tell the story of how horrific it was. I thought I was going to die. I felt like I was going to pass out. I had to hang on to the shopping cart. I, I couldn't concentrate. My heart was pounding. I was so afraid. You just tell those stories, right? And it's natural to want to tell that story because you're upset and you're angry and you're disappointed and emotions will play a role for sure. But you can't, I won't say you can't, you shouldn't just go back to the safe zone and just tell that story for the next two or three hours. Like that is a very bad plan because essentially what you're doing is, you, that's part of the reaction. When you're overcoming an anxiety problem like panic disorder, agoraphobia, generalized anxiety disorder, any of these things, monophobia, it's the reactions that always matter, right? We know this. So there's a reaction before, that's the anticipatory anxiety. We're not going to talk about that now. There's the reaction during the surrendering and floating and accepting and facing the panic without reacting to it. And then there's the reaction after, and that's the reaction that a lot of people forget. The reaction after is how you tell the story. What do you tell yourself? You tell yourself it was horrific, you, you were in hell, you thought for sure you were going to die, it was terrifying, you can't do it, and you failed, and I failed, and I'm a miserable failure, and I'm never going to get better. Is that the story you tell? That's the reaction after? Or can you make the reaction after better? So I'm going to tell you that 
the more productive reaction after, even if you've had a fail, you want to say it's a fail, you had you left work, you left school, you canceled your plans, right? That's that could be also like it plans with a friend and, and at the last minute you canceled, or you had, you know, maybe a doctor's appointment at the last minute you canceled. So how do we deal with these things? Don't go home and wallow in it. Don't tell the story about how terrible it is. Don't keep telling yourself that you failed. And don't keep telling your brain how horrific this is. What you kind of have to do is do that a little bit because if you have to, that's fine. Like I said, emotions come into play. Vent if you have to for a couple of minutes. Like maybe even give yourself, I'm going to give myself five minutes to be angry and disappointed and talk about this. At the end of those five minutes, get up. Shake it off as best you can, and now you have to start to get objective. Now your goal is to say, all right, so maybe I didn't do so well. What happened? And you have to think objectively and describe it to yourself. Type it, write it, record it into your phone, whatever you have to do. It doesn't matter. But you have to objectively say, what happened? I drove to the supermarket. I was feeling anxious. I went into the supermarket. I felt more anxious. I'm supposed to feel anxious in the supermarket. That's the point of the exposure. I started to panic. I didn't like it. I reacted to it. I tried to talk myself out of it. I know I'm not supposed to do that. I started tensing and fighting and holding my breath. I started looking for the exits. I know I'm not supposed to do that. These are very rational and objective ways to describe the event that just happened. Go through that. Walk you through. I, I dropped everything. I ran back out to the car because I thought I would be safer when I left, but I know that's wrong. You can say these things, right? So you say these things to yourself. Write them down if you have to. Give yourself 10 minutes to go through the event in an objective way. What did I do? I did this, 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 and this. Why did I do it? I did it because of these reasons. What was wrong? What did I do wrong there or, or less than perfectly or less than optimally? Now, what can I do differently next time I do this? But here's the rub. If at all possible, if, it's, if there's any way possible logistically for you to do this, now it's time to get up, get out, and go do it again immediately, like immediately, not the next day, not in two days, not next week, not when you think you feel up to it, right then and there. Like this is an opportunity to turn that crushing loss into a huge victory. And, a, and what makes it a huge victory is not how you feel, it's what you learn from the event. So you started this whole thing with, I failed and you're learning that it was a fail and that it was terrible and it's scary and you can't do it. But if you stop, get objective about what happened, really go through the steps. What did you do? Why did you do it? What about that was incorrect? What should I do correctly the next time? And then turn right now into next time. You can turn that failure event into a huge winning event. And I'm telling you right now, again, if it's at all possible, I understand that sometimes it might not be. Maybe now the kids are at home. You got to take care of them. You got to cook dinner. I get that. But as, if it's at all possible, go out and do it again. Even if you can't do that thing again, maybe you cancel the doctor appointment or a dentist appointment or you canceled lunch with your friend. You kind of can't make them go and do it. You can't go back to the doctor's office. But let's say you cancel the dentist appointment or a doctor's appointment, get in the car and go and drive to the dentist's office or the doctor's office. I don't care if you just have to sit in the parking lot and just do that. Like challenge yourself to do something that makes you anxious right after that fail, because it doesn't matter if you failed in the supermarket or canceling lunch or at work, what you did and where you were almost doesn't matter. The object of the game is to learn what you did wrong and then apply that lesson 
to either the same exposure or at least something similar or something that is a challenge to you. Because if you failed in the supermarket and the best you could do is get in the car and you know drive to the park a mile away and sit in the parking lot and be anxious, that's okay too. But just sitting there for the next you know hour or the rest of the day or until tomorrow for a week and just repeating how terrible it was and that you failed and that you can't do it is the worst thing you can do. So just to recap this, and I'll look and I'll see. I see there's people here. You guys can comment if you want. I'm not seeing anything. A couple of here and there. But like this is super, super important. You can turn a crushing defeat or what feels like a crushing defeat into a huge victory. And you could do it with, a, with not that much effort. Courage, yes, but not that much effort. Like this is hard because of the, the courage part and the conviction and the commitment that you have to have into this process. But when you do that, you can actually see a real like turn of the tide. And I've seen it again and again and again and again. And I advise people to do this all the time. Like, all right, sounds like it was pretty bad. You know what you did wrong. Get in the car and do it again. And sometimes I met with like, are you effing kidding me, man? Like, I'm supposed to do this again. Sometimes people get really angry when I tell them to do that. Like, aren't you supposed to tell me it's okay? You tried. And I'm not going to tell you it's okay. You tried. I mean, it's, I'll give you credit for trying. But really and truly, like, I don't care what you tried. I care what you learned. I care what you learned. Like, it's not about the trying. It's about what you learned. So even when you lose, you can learn, right? So as long as you learn, it's a win. So I think every time I do that, I get a little pushback sometimes. Like, no way. You're crazy. You're cruel. You're like, you know, whatever. You don't understand. I get, I get that all the time. I get some pushback. But then invariably, a lot of times, probably 60% of those times, 20 minutes later, I'll get like, okay, I'm going, I'm doing it. And so many times when the person chooses to do that, even if they can't do the exact exposure or event that they sort of failed at, even if they can't do the exact thing, if they can approximate it with something else or try something different that they also are challenged to do, it turns out to be a hugely positive event. Like the win from that, do not underestimate the win from that. Sometimes I think the win from that, pulling like a win out of the uh, victory out of the jaws of defeat is even more effective and more impactful in their lives than just a straight up win. Like today I did great at the supermarket. That's huge. And like you, you, you know, you get that good feeling from it. But sometimes when it looks like it's a huge fail and it turns out to be a win, that's even more impactful. And then like kind of propels you forward even more. So there you go. That's my 10 minutes on like what, you know, what should you do when you fail? So let's see. There are people here. Uh, let me look. What do I have here? Um, da, 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 da. This goes for this. Okay. Let's see here. Um, Jim is here at the start. A lot of my people who usually watch on Facebook are here. I see this. This is cool. I see some Instagram names, by the way. Bethany says, this goes for the smallest situations too. Yes, like leaving the room because your kid's noise is too much or always shutting down. Yes, that is correct. It doesn't have to be a big giant exposure like, you know, the first time you drive on the highway in a year. It doesn't have to be that. It could be anything. So like Bethany's example is good. If you're hiding in your bedroom because it's just all too much, you know, and you decide I'm going to go and sit in the dining room with the family and then you retreat back to the bedroom, regroup, see what you did wrong, go back out to the dining room again. Yes, it doesn't have to be a big giant thing. Every little learning experience adds up over time. So being able to move from the bedroom to the dining room will ultimately lead to, to a trip around the world. I promise it does. It's additive. So let's see. Um, I mean, it's exposure therapy. <laughs> yes, that's true. Like, what's the point? That's the other thing I should say, if you're watching, like, 
this thing where you judge the exposure or the event as like, I felt anxious, so it was a fail. It's never a fail. If this is a hard thing for you to do because of anxiety or panic, and you feel anxious when you're doing it, that is something you should expect. You shouldn't you shouldn't judge it as like, well, I, I had anxiety, so it was a fail. It's never a fail. Uh, the fail is if you choose to not learn. All right, so there you go. Um, yeah, I'm not going to drive on the interstate. Um, okay, your choice. Uh, the dwarf shooter. What's up, dude? That's a cool name. Uh, when you fail and turn it back into a win, or even just knowing you attempted again, yes, it gives you the memory to do it again. So the memory, the reaction after, the memory that you build, the experience that you build up here after the event matters. It matters more than you think it matters. I promise you, it matters a lot. Um, John Bones, what's your, I'll take that one real quick. What's your opinion on NLP phobia, one session cure videos? It's complete and utter bullshit. Complete and utter bullshit. It's, it's ridiculous. Nobody's going to like bring you in for a neuro-linguistic programming thing and like fix a learned phobia. You know what? You know what that might work? That could potentially work with a simple phobia. I'm afraid of dogs. Like I've seen it work for that. It will never work with a non-specific phobia like this. It's bullshit. Um, it's crazy. So let me see here. Uh, the memory of what reminds you that it was a good thing. That's correct, Gemma. When you have that proof that you literally couldn't do it and failed, but then turn it around. Yes. So what Gemma is saying is correct. Like the memory of this is impossible. I'm never going to be able to do this. And I had somebody today in the Facebook group say like, well, you know, I, I, I was trying to accept and float. I just can't. I just can't do it. I couldn't do it. Well, the, the memory of I can't do it because it's too hard is really powerful. And it, it makes it harder to go and do it the next time. When you go back and do it again and you have some measure of victory, that's a much better, much, much better uh, memory in your head. Uh, so let's see. What is doing something wrong? Um, so that's the NLP thing. I think there's something to be said for deciding to not. No, I think I'm not going to agree to that. I think we can decide, okay, I'm going to drive. I'm going to do that, but I'm not going to do the other. I'm going to, here's the answer to that. If you are deciding to, to okay, uh, that's fine. I'm not, I'm not here to convince you that you should improve your life. If you're okay with the way it is, then all good. All good. Uh, there's nothing wrong with that. If you are avoiding things that you want to do because you are afraid of something that never hurt you, I cannot imagine why that's not something that somebody would want to approve, but okay. Um, that's totally fine. You don't have to. That, that's entirely your call. So let's see here. Um, NLP, no, 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 try Googling it. Yeah, neurolinguistic programming. I'm not going to get into it because there are people that think that NLP is like this the greatest. I've seen it used from everything for like, 10x your life entrepreneur business nonsense to cure every possible mental health disorder that you've ever heard of. It's completely insane. Um, so let's see here. Chrissy. Oh, yes. Chrissy did her test today. You overcame your testing anxiety. I felt, hey, you know what? It's okay. You can take the test again, Chrissy. Like I'm super proud of the fact that you went and did that event. Like that is a, that is a giant win because I know you thought you couldn't even take the test. So now that you did it, I bet the next time the test itself becomes easier. So huge props to Chrissy for like going through what I know you went through today. Um, let's see. Next time you think something is impossible, you're like, so was the other thing, but I didn't. Yeah, that, right. Exactly. And and it's all about the memory. So what do you do when, you're fail, when you fail? Like, don't just let it sit there and be a fail. You got to turn it around. Right. So 15 minutes, not too shabby. This isn't going to be a, a giant, you know, two hour thing here. 
people don't watch these giant long videos, so I'm kind of done with that. All right, let me see if anybody else had any questions. Olivia Brown is here. What's up, Olivia? Josh is here. Craig Cox is here. People I recognize. I recognize you guys. Um, so something new. Here you go. Like YouTube Live. Who knew? Who knew, right? Uh, let's see. Oh, Craig says, let's see. Um, have to start to focus outwards, making a big difference. Yes. Dude, that's kind of a big deal. Like, I know what you've been through. I, I you know, Craig, I've seen Craig's story. I know what's going on. But, um, you know, focusing outwards instead of inwards is is a huge part of this thing. We're continually focused inward. How do I feel now? How do I feel now? How do I feel now? What am I thinking now? What am I thinking now? What am I thinking now? That's part of what, what does this. So let's see here. Um, I don't use Facebook. Do you have any other place to chat with you? I kind of don't do that. I'm sorry, only because like that's where the most of the people are. I'm not a big fan. Trust me. Like I don't love Facebook, but it's where everybody seems to be. I, my Instagram is at that underscore anxiety underscore guy. I think it's in the link in the, on the video description here. You can, you can get me there too if you want. Um, YouTube comments, I always will answer. It's just they're not really the easiest environment to be in. So let's see. Uh, Dino, what up, dude? Just joined the live. Uh, cool. Good to see you here. Um, I think I may have seen you in some of Billy's uh, videos. I'm not sure. But very cool. Um, let's see. Straight to made me see sense. Good. I'm glad it's working out for you, brother. That's that's cool. Uh, Dwarf Shooter, which is just the coolest name. I don't know why that cracks me up, man. Um, my biggest issue is the physical pain that anxiety causes, but I'm, it doesn't matter. It, that's exactly right. Like, here's what I'm going to tell you, dude, like on the physical pain. And yes, I understand. Like when you're super tense and you're just, uh, you're just constantly, I know people who walk around with migraines because their jaws are clenched. It's that's real. Like that's real shit right there. But just think of like professional athletes that go out in a field and play in contact sports, like actually injured. I mean, Lawrence Taylor, like played an entire football game with a dislocated shoulder. Lawrence Taylor. I'm dating myself, but look him up. <laughs> so like they could do it. It's possible. It's possible. I'm not saying do anything dangerous, but yes, you have to, you have to think about that. Um, let's see what else I got, man. I'm a student. of Yeah, me too. I'm a huge stoic too. And guess what? I decided I didn't want to accept like running from something that never hurt me. I'm as much a stoic as anyone else. So there you go. Um, so let's see. He ignores me sometimes. Jim, am I ignoring you? <laughs> let's see. Um, no, I saw what you wrote. I don't think I ignored you. Jim is my pal. Uh, let's see here. Jamarcus, what's up, dude? Uh, what about negative thoughts? Did you deal with them? Of course I did. I totally deal with it. That's part and parcel of this. Like negative thought. It's not just physical sensations. Almost nobody has either just physical sensations or just thoughts. Like just about everybody that deals with these anxiety disorders has both of those things. So you deal with negative thoughts. And I would say go back, dude, and like look through my all the old videos here, especially the one I did recently with Monique Coven, we, entitled You Don't Have to Follow Every Thought You Have. Like check that one out. So, yeah, you totally – you can deal with those. And the short answer, Jamarcus, for you is you don't have to follow every thought you have. So while some those thoughts may seem super loud and like you can't escape them, you can actually learn to kind of turn your back on them. I don't mean drown them out with distraction. I mean, have a thought and choose to not engage with that thought and put your focus somewhere else. Like, and I say it a zillion times, you guys have heard me say it a zillion times, like basic meditation skills, which really are basic focus skills are super valuable in starting to learn to do that. 
Um, so hopefully that helps. But if you go watch the video I did with Monique, check that out. It might help you. Uh, Monique was really good on that video too. Um, do I ever suffer with, I can't say I ever suffered from paranoia, so I can't speak directly to that. Pa paranoia is a different animal, to be honest with you. Like paranoia could be, maybe you just have a form of social anxiety where you're a little bit worried about what people are going to think of you when they see you or if they're going to judge you. John, could that be it? I'm not sure. Paranoia is a little bit different, a little bit different. Um, I did not, I did, can't say that I ever dealt with paranoia. Um, and also I, I never had to deal with like, oh no, what are they going to think of me? Like, that's just not in my experience. So I don't have a lot to offer there. I know many people do. It's just, I'm not good at that part. Um, let's see here. I was joking. Yeah. <laughs> Jim, freaking kill me every time. So funny. Just pretend your negative thoughts are your mom or someone. Yeah, you know what I say sometimes, like about negative thoughts, and and, and I I always wind up saying this to like the ladies, and I, I don't know why, but I guess dudes can relate too. But we're usually the pains in the asses. So think of your negative thoughts or those catastrophic irrational thoughts as like if you're a woman, imagine you're a woman, dude. Like I know you're not, but uh, imagine you were. Like we've all seen a woman like in a bar at a party who is just getting hit on by an obnoxious, loud, sloppy, drunk dude that doesn't even know what he's saying and he's just being inappropriate. And, the you know, what does a woman do in that situation? Sometimes they just, bam, they just clock him. That's all right. And effectively, you're sort of doing that to your thoughts. But a lot of times they just wind up turning their backs and let him go. Think of, the, of those intrusive, like, irrational, negative thoughts as, like, the drunk guy at the bar that you don't really want to talk to. You, you can't slug him because you get kicked out of the bar, but you can turn your back and just let him let him go. So there you go. Um, I like mom better than child. <laughs> yeah, so Jim is like, you know, pretend that the thoughts are your mom. That's actually better. I use the analogy all the time that, like, treat the thoughts like a toddler that's screaming for ice cream. But it probably sounds better if you say, like, your mom is annoying you than your kid. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Oh, dude, Josh, I'm creating a stupid Facebook account. Yeah, we'll totally, we'll make sure, just jo go join the group and we'll let you in. I know, it's kind of the evil empire. Like, don't even put a profile picture and don't say anything. I'm with you. I don't like Facebook. Um, let's see here. David, what's up? David Draymond. Um, what's your touch on taking medication a period of time, tapering and just uh, being weak by taking one or two when the shit really hits the fan? Um, all right. I'm going to try and be like, how do I say this? I, I Medication is a super personal choice, right? I, I'm about as, I will be honest with you and tell you, I'm about as anti-medication as you will find, like completely unapologetically anti-medication. That being said, there are times when I do agree that medication has its place. In cases of deep clinical depression where there's now like a danger to life, Absolutely, absolutely. But in the end, because I put my eggs in the behavioral and cognitive basket, 100%, really and truly that thing that says, I just need these pills to get out the door now, like a lot, this is a hotly debated topic. And I can't really give you a good answer other than to say it is hotly debated. Like there are many in the behavioral sciences that say, well, if you take a pill that knocks down your symptoms, then what are you exposing yourself to? Because it's not the exposing yourself to being outside or the car or the supermarket. It's the feelings when you're there. So if you take away the feelings, you run the danger of like, oh, okay, I don't, I'm all right. I'm in the supermarket and I'm not feeling anxiety. So I'm all right. So it's possible for the meds to be counterproductive sometimes. But it's complicated. 
I also know behavioral therapists that will work with a physician, with a patient who is just so extremely kind of beaten down that they will say like, all right, we, we're going to get you a little rest here by taking those symptoms away. That happens sometimes. It's, it's complicated, dude. It's, it's really difficult. And that whole thing of like, take them. Here's the other thing I want to say about that. I don't want to talk too much about meds here because it's just, it's a tough topic, you know, but the other thing about meds and people like, well, I'm just going to use them for a short amount of time. That's easier said than done. So just be aware of that. Like it's easier said than done for sure. Um, I mean, if you're taking like a benzo as needed, that's a little better. You take, you take one every three months in a bad time, not so bad, but like, if you're going to do the antidepressant thing, that's easier said than done. So just be aware of all these things. Um, let's see. One of these game shows where you've got to focus on, like, I thought this would be short. Now we're getting like lots of comments. Uh, let's see. you got to focus on a challenge with throwing slime at you. Yes. I, Jim, I don't know if you remember, I used to do those, those meditation videos with Susan Varro in the group. And like we did one where Susan was trying to be all Zen and I was literally like screaming in her ear and it was difficult. She like had a hard time maintaining her focus on her breath, but she obviously she's really good at it. So you do it. But we sort of demonstrated that. It was interesting. Let's see. Um, da, da, da. I'm very anti now back then, David, again, back then I didn't know it kept my meds for seven months before I took it. A lot of people do that. I mean, honestly, dude, I drove around with like expired Xanax for years. It probably wouldn't have done anything. It was so old, but I kept it anyway. I think that's when I knew I was finally done when it's like I just flushed them. Like, I don't need these anymore. So let's see. Um, Jamarcus. Da, da, da. So the negative thoughts eventually stop. Yeah, they do, um, dude. So it just takes a while. Like, the hard thing about it is what you're essentially doing is you're teaching yourself that I don't have to engage in these thoughts. Like they can just scream at me and try and like get my attention to wrestle with me. And even if I don't answer them and just let them be there. So that thought that keeps yelling, like you're having a heart attack, you're having a heart attack, you're having a heart attack. When you learn that, well, like I could just do nothing about this and you still are okay. You didn't have a heart attack. You're teaching yourself that they don't matter. And yes, those thoughts that were once so overpowering begin to get quieter and easier to turn away from. And then the frequency gets less. It just takes some time. So yeah. Um, four months. I would say, um, you know, you, you'll start to see improvement for sure, but you got to really look at what you're doing. Like just accepting the thoughts and let them hammer at you while you listen to them. That's not so great. Like you really need to work on putting your focus where you want it to be. I always talk about using the tip of your nose. That's where your breath is. So those basic focus skills will help a lot. It's an active process. You can't just accept that your thoughts are screaming at you and listen to them screaming. You have to be able to sort of disconnect from them if that makes any sort of sense. It's very subtle, difficult, I understand. Um, don't constantly work on anxiety rather than doing stuff. Sometimes talking about it all the time. That, that does That is true. Jimmy, you're on fire tonight, uh, today, tonight in the UK. That's true. Sometimes, like, not everything is about recovery. That's a good point, too. Like, you cannot be recovering from anxiety 24-7. You just can't. Like, immersing yourself in it, not so good. Changing your attitude can change your anxiety, can take it away. Yeah. And sometimes a lot of this is like this process of recovery is, is obviously it's mental, obviously it's talking about anxiety recovery, but so much of it is based on commitment and tenacity. I call it tenacity and consistency and, you know, just commitment. Um, so I'm just, I'm writing a lot about that right now because that's what it takes. And sometimes that you have to like, shit, I feel like I'm not really making a lot of progress, but I'm going to stick with this. I'm going to keep going. And that's part of that. You're right. 
Um, and when your confidence gets shaken, you just got to put your faith in the program and just keep being tenacious. You can bring it back. So, Dino, I missed your comment before. You did say that you were in on Billy's, right? That's how I know you. Um, one thing I let things take time is I stopped putting pressure on myself. Yeah, that's kind of important what Dino just said. Um, like, it's a big deal. Like, there's no specific timeline for this. And I know we all get impatient. Like, we want our lives back. We don't want to feel badly. So I get all that. But it could be really hard. You could be putting a lot of extra pressure on yourself if you're committing to, like, you know, like, why isn't this better in a week or two weeks? The first thing to do, I would say, Dino, just to follow up on that topic is uh, be realistic. Like, if you have dealt with, with this problem for, for months or years even, like many people have, you're not going to fix it in three days or, or a week or even a month. You're just not. Unfortunately, our brains don't work that way. Um, so you just got to be realistic in the time frame and just understand that, like, every day, if you're doing this, you're learning a new lesson every day. And I'm going to tell you something else about that while, while we're talking about it. Like, while you're on this this path, right, and you're on the way toward recovery, and you're impatient, and like, man, I wish it would happen today. I can't stand this anymore. I get all that. I'm impatient, too. But try to remember that every single day, you're learning something new, and you're changing something for the better up here, here, like all over the place. So not to sound too life coachy, because you guys that know me would like, like what's all this? But really, truly, like, this process will change you, not just for anxiety reasons, but you'll just be better at life when this is done. And don't lose sight of that. Like you're getting better at life as you do this. It's a, it's a big deal. Um, so let's see here. Uh, David, how far are you with your book? Um, Billy and I will probably, I'm sure we'll be doing, doing uh, videos again at some point. We've talked about it. Like, you know, we still talk now and then. Um, so we'll do some, how far along with the book? The book is five chapters long and it's each chapter is separated into different lessons. So it's almost like a course. And so I, I've done the first, I'm finished with chapter three, three of five. So I've written, I don't know, 40,000 words of probably, uh, actually more than that. I've written about 50,000 words of probably 100,000 at this point. So it's it's working. I haven't been able to write the last week or two because I had another project going on, but I'll be back at it this week. So let's see. Um, generally a good time to reinvent, do a new thing. Yeah, like a lot of people find, I guess we'll just keep going, 30 minutes, no problem. <laughs> a lot of people find that as they go through this process and the anxiety begins to fall away, like so much of your life was spent on like how to not be anxious, how to avoid the fear, how to get around it, how to engineer feeling good. Well, you don't have to do that anymore. Sometimes it leaves like an empty space. Like, well, now what do I do? Like people aren't quite sure I went through that. Well, what do I do now? Like if I don't have to worry about panic and anxiety anymore, like I don't know what to do. Like it consumes so much of your time and your, your mental space that all of a sudden like the world becomes open to you. I don't know, learn to play the guitar or the drums or go hiking or take up photography or learn a language. Like there's so many cool things that you'll be able to do. Um, Gemma's rocking it, man. Let's see. The Galaxy of Pleasure. That's a good name too. <laughs> Welcome. Do the anxiety groups set up by the patients themselves benefit patients more than the official? In the health service, I assume um, I don't know you. I've not seen your name before, so I apologize. I assume you are talking – when you say the health service, that's the health service. That sounds um, very UK, like NHS. So I, tell me if you're in the UK. Uh, obviously, I'm in the US, as you can tell by my awesome American accent. I don't – it's hard for me to answer that. I, I, have, I find that most anxiety groups, to be totally honest with you, are – 
wind up being counterproductive. Like if you, if they are not like super focused on moving forward all the time and encouraging and inspiring and cheering each other on and like moving each other forward, anxiety groups that are just about like, this is horrible. Let's commiserate. No one understands. We need more awareness. Doesn't help. Like not helpful. I've been in those. I've been an admin in those. I've left those. So there you go. Yeah, in the, in the, in the NHS. I don't really know because I'll be honest with you. I have no experience with like official um, mental health channels here in the U.S. because sadly we kind of don't have them. I will tell you that, and, and again, I might be talking at a turn uh, out of um, accent. <laughs> yes, I may be speaking at a turn here, but I have many, many, many friends in the U.K. that have been through the NHS my opinion is that the NHS needs to do something about their behavioral therapies because the stories that I hear, I don't understand. Um, I mean, I've actually, Holly, who I do some of these videos with, if you guys recognize Holly or you're in the Facebook group, you know Holly, she's from the UK. She lives in Spain now, but she's from England. And we've talked about this. Like, I cannot understand how you guys, and I understand that it's free, but I mean, I see too many people in the UK wind up like, yep, I, I've been approved for CBT. They gave me 11 sessions. I'm waiting a month to get it. And then they get it. And it would appear that the person doing it with them doesn't even know what CBT is. Like, uh, so I don't understand how you guys are doing that. I mean, I guess it's better than nothing, but that's what I see from the NHS. Galaxy. Hope that helps. Just the, the opinion of an uneducated American. <laughs> I don't live there. I'm sorry. Um, Tanya, what up? Sorry, I'm late. 6 a.m. Well, good morning, Tanya. <laughs> it's okay. You can watch it back. It's there on YouTube naturally. Uh, ba -ba 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 -ba, you mean accent? I'll answer that. Um, there you go. And the last one was one on one for ten sessions. I learned some things. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, you know, the state of mental health. I, I'm going to say that probably, you know, you guys in in the UK and I don't, my Canadian friends, Australia seems to be getting it right. Like, shout out to my Aussie friends. Like, you guys seem to have it together over there, at least from what I can understand. In the U.S., it's sort of you're on your own mental health-wise. It's not good. It's definitely not good. Or you wait a year and a half for a decent CBT guy. By that time, you're already halfway there. <laughs> yeah, that happens. Uh, the, other, the one thing that's good, and I would say, so Galaxy, let me talk about, like, go back to your thing. Um, and if you want to say your name, that's totally cool. But, oh, no, I knew it. How many Tanyas could there be worth 6 a.m.? I know you're in Australia. So <laughs> uh, the Get Up Challenge, that was awesome. Um, Kind of figured that was you. Anyway, what I was going to say is a lot of people, I mean, at least in my group, and people I interact with wind up going through CBT, even here in the U.S. with private insurance and some really good therapists. They wind up waiting. They're in the group for four or five months. They're reading like the Claire Weeks books or they're reading my stuff or whatever it is. They're following the videos. And then they get to CBT finally, like, oh, I'm going to do this. And they wind up like, oh, I already know. I already know most of the stuff. But it's, it's never a bad thing. Like a good therapist is always an asset, always. So like if you can get your hands on a good cognitive behavioral therapist, it will always benefit you, even if it's just to keep you on track and, and structure for you. So there you go. Um, let's see here. I was doing the Get Up Challenge. Yeah, it was really good. So what else? Let's see here. Josh Wegner. Is there a book that you would recommend? Well, since mine isn't published yet, <laughs> Claire Weeks, Hope and Help for Your Nerves. That is, that's the book you need. Like, so I'm hopeful that my book will sort of take what she wrote years ago and kind of bring it up into the 21st century. But uh, yeah, definitely. Like Claire Weeks, Hope and Help, Hope and Help for Your Nerves. It's called, uh, I don't know what it's called in the UK and Australia. It has different titles, 
but in the U.S., it's hope and help for your nerves. Peace from nervous suffering, I think it's called in the U.K. I'm not sure. Um, but, yeah, it, and it's cheap on Amazon, dude. So I would definitely, yeah, yeah, without a doubt. Um, the, the books are inexpensive. Claire Week's books are inexpensive. They're in audio form, too. And they're, they are inexpensive. These aren't, like, $30 books. You could buy the paperback versions of her books for, like, under $10 U.S. I know that. Yeah, there you go. I think in, in the UK, I think it's called Peace from Nervous Suffering. I'm not sure. I'd have to look at that. But I would say if you want a book right now, get that one and read it right now. Um, let's see. I think I've got everybody. Let's see. How do you deal? I'm sorry, John Bones. Uh, how do I deal with what, dude? How do you deal with – how do I deal with criticism? Oh, I don't. I don't uh, – <laughs> how do I deal with criticism? I, I don't care about criticism. I like, I, I'm not in any way interested. Like I, I like ideas. So a lot of people give me really, like really great ideas and I could, you know, change things around and listen to people who are different than me. And like, there are people watching this video right now that I learn stuff from every day that has helped me sort of like refine the message or make adjustments here and there. So, um, yeah, criticism is all right, but like criticism, like you don't know what the F you're talking about. You obviously never had anxiety. Like, okay, you're mean. I think I mean, I guess I'm all right with that. <laughs> I'm, I'm good with that. But uh, I like ideas. Criticism doesn't bother me in any way. If you think I'm wrong, you can tell me you think I'm wrong. And maybe I'll listen and like maybe there's something I'll learn from you. But or maybe not. Don't know. Um, let's see here. Yes, me. We nearly fell out. <laughs> Don't ignore my last message. Okay, thanks. So good. Um, you need a gentle book for the guys that are scared of dipping their feet in. Oh, that's your, your next message. Okay. Um, Let's see. I'm just going to read Gemma's real quick. You need a gentle book for the guys that are scared of dipping their feet and suck them in and then half. <laughs> yeah, that's my thing. I'm not gentle. Sorry. That's that's the voice I got. Um, there's not, I don't think there's a gentle way to do this. I really believe that this is a brutal, sometimes a brutal process, and it's supposed to be. Like, it. you got to find a little bit of inner badass in this. It's, you cannot – let me make a statement here. Like I might be on the extreme side of things, you know, call me whatever you want to call me. I don't know. I maybe have whatever personality I have, but you cannot do this with sunshine and rainbows. Sorry, you cannot. Like you need to address the, the difficulty and the struggle and the brutality of the process sometimes. Sometimes it is a brute force process. Sometimes it is. And you got to find a little bit of badass and a little bit of snarl and a little bit of like angry sometimes to do this, you know. So that, that's a thing. Like, there is no gentle way. Like, don't talk to me about self-care. We've been down that road. It's a thing. It just can't be everything. Um, I know it's hard, but it doesn't matter. Yeah, Bethany's heard me say that about a zillion times. So um, there was another question here that I miss. Do you rate Dr. Week's methods as the best way to deal with the anxiety state? I absolutely do. And I'll be honest with you. Like, Dr. Week's is awesome, and, and we all love her, and I am a big fan, and her books help me tremendously. But um, – she didn't invent that stuff either. I mean, she was early on writing in the 50s and 60s, so she was not too far out there. But everything she talks about is really what you get in the basics of cognitive behavioral therapy, and that was Albert Ellis and Beck. Ellis and Beck are really the fathers of that. So she didn't invent it, just like I'm not inventing it, and nobody has invented it that tells you these things today. But she just said it very nicely. She took those concepts and put it in like a super friendly, you felt like your like your favorite aunt was talking to you on the radio. So I think that's why she's so great. 
Um, yeah, well, her methods are based on the methods that they're it's not just my opinion. We have mountains of clinical evidence across multiple continents in Western countries that show that cognitive behavioral forms of therapy are by far the most effective way to deal with this anxiety disorder. Better than medication on the short term, equal on the short term, better on the long term. It's the best thing we have, the best thing we have today. And she was just really good at being very good at communicating what it was. Um, so what else here? Um, I know it's time to direction. Inner badass is what anxiety. Yeah, you'll get it back, brother. I mean, like sometimes it takes getting angry. Shooter, like, you know, when you really feel like I'm done living like this, like I'm, I would rather die than live another day like this. You'll, that anger sometimes will put you into that mode that you need to be in. Uh, Brooke Baldwin. Hey, Brooke. Brutality is best from another person. It always helps when someone gets on my ass. Well, sometimes like just motivation, you know, like that sometimes happens. And often, here's what I always say. Like the reason why there's, I don't even say brutality. That's a tough word, you know. But um, the reason why I think most Facebook or most online groups fail is because when you give an anxious person, an agoraphobic, somebody who deals with panic disorder, when you give a frightened person an out, they will take it every time. So if you are afraid to get in the car and drive for, drive away from your house and you decide you're going to try that and then you decide, oh, I, I just can't do it. And you go into your support group and say, I wanted to do it. I just can't do it. I was terrified. I was going to faint. Blah, blah, blah. And everybody says, it's okay, hon. You're fine. They don't understand. You'll do it tomorrow. Try again. What they're doing is like reinforcing the mistake that says I was in danger. So the motivation is in a group of people who will say, all right, I understand you really felt like shit, but you got to do it anyway. Like go back out the door and do it. You need that. You have to have that. Just being told that it's okay, try again tomorrow is like really bad. You need that that brutal motivation from your friends and the people who are trying to prop you up. So there you go. Uh, give me hope. I was feeling really depressed today. <laughs> well, I guess I'm entertaining to a certain degree. Um, I'm glad you're feeling better, dude. That's cool. I'm glad you came by. I met the guys that realize uh, that don't realize that we all are the same. Uh, I'll talk about that for a second. I have I got a little bit of time, so I'll keep talking. If you if you guys want to chill, there's still 25 people here. I'll keep going. Um, even though I just said people don't watch long videos, I'm 41 minutes in. The people who say we're everybody's different. Let me I'll address everybody's different. What because I got a few minutes, so let's do it. Um, everybody's not different. Don't take that the wrong way. Like we are all unique snowflakes. This is true. We all have our nuances and our differences, and we're not all the same. That's true. But unless you are of alien origin or you have suffered some sort of brain injury or your brain is somehow different than mine or Gemma's or anybody in the group or the other 7 billion people on the planet, your brain pretty much works the same way. We're not talking, these are not spiritual, what you believe and think personality issues. These are like really dry issues of cognitive theory and cognition and how our brains process information based on experience and the way we perceive those experiences. So your perceptions may be different and the lessons that you have learned throughout your life may be different and put you in a different frame of mind but it doesn't mean that like, well, this can't possibly work for me. Everybody's different. Everybody's not different. The beauty is that we're all the same that way. So you can leverage that. Like, that's a good thing. The fact that our brains all work the same is shoot, really leverages that. That's a, it's a bonus. It's a plus. Like it doesn't take away your humanity or your spirit or your personality. Like it's, you should celebrate that. Like we are freaking awesome. And we could use the same process that gets us into the hole to get us out of the hole. If we just understand it and accept it and like use it to our advantage. Um, the video with the server going down. 
I have got to find that video. Um, somewhere on a hard drive, somewhere in my life is that video. And if I, I promised, I think Andrew in the Facebook group that if I find that video, I post it. I promise I will look for it. I promise I will. Um, there was, I talked, uh, Gemma, I talked about that several times. I think in one of my videos with Billy, and I also talked about it in the group when I did the videos with Andrew just recently. Um, yes, it was, it, that was the story of how I had to do that. It was really, um, it was a difficult night, but I did it. I'll try and find that video. I have video of actually doing that that night in like 2009, whenever that was. If I could find it, I'll put it up. Uh, so there you go. Uh, people don't watch long videos. You used to say, yeah, true. Um, I get it. Oh, maybe I could do that. I could. I can kind of timestamp when we talk about shit. That's cool. Um, take snips of the videos. I uh, like it when IG accounts do that. Let's see. So you're struggling with anxiety and have anxiety about going to work. You still go. Yeah, Amanda, like without getting, you know, it's, it's a big, long answer to that question. You're basically asking how do you fix this problem? What you have to do is learn, identify the things that make you anxious, those situations that make you anxious, accept that the anxiety is not dangerous and even panic is not dangerous. If you don't believe that and don't accept that, you're not going to go anywhere. So first you got to accept that. Then you got to find the things that you have been avoiding because you are afraid of how you feel when you do them. And then you have to slowly start building those activities. So yes, the short answer is you should still go, but it's not about just going and like enduring and hanging on there and gritting your teeth until you can run out and go back home and be safe. Like what you have to learn to do is surrender to those feelings and let them kill you at work. When they don't, then you teach your brain the right lesson, which is I'm really uncomfortable and really afraid, but I'm still safe and I don't have to be afraid of going to work. And then that, that's a, a, an additive process. You can do that again and again and again and practice it and things get better. Hopefully that's a quick answer to a really big question. So let's see here. Um, I'm so pissed off. I only found you 12 weeks after starting low dose meds. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you can manage that Tanya. It's all right. So let's see guys. We are so much stronger than we give ourselves credit for it. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Thank you, Brooke. I appreciate you saying that. Like I would not do this if I didn't believe that everybody had it in them to do this. I absolutely believe that every person has what they need to do this. I I'm, not in any way doubtful of that. Everybody, every single human being. Uh, Ticks my office yesterday for the first time. Nice. So Tanya, like you're dancing on Facebook. You're going back to the office. It's good shit. Um, all right, guys, 46 minutes. I, I'm, I'm out. <laughs> I'm out. Although I appreciate you guys chilling out. There's now more people here than there was when we started, which is really awesome. And these spur of the moment things, I'll try and schedule them more if I can in the future. But if, if there are no more questions, I think I got everybody I'm going to end it, and then I will post this on my website. It'll stay here on YouTube. I'll, I'll share it in the Facebook also when it's ready. So you guys rock. I appreciate you coming and, like, making it kind of fun. Nothing in specific. Oh, hang on here. Uh, ba -ba -ba -ba. Nothing specifically scares me. I don't really avoid anything. All right. That's cool. Um, yeah, and, and abandoned. that's okay. Like, that's actually not a bad place to be, of course. You just get generally, generally anxious and your goal is to just recognize when that's happening and understand that the way you should react when you feel that way um, doesn't have to go, you know, you don't have to go like into panic, into alert mode when you feel anxious. So it's, it sounds like you're, you're doing okay. Yes. It's exposure. Anytime the thoughts or feelings are there, you're correct. And just learn to change the way you react to them and things can improve for you. Have a good day. You too, Dino. It's good to see you again, brother. Um, and didn't go dance. Here's my answer to the dancing thing. There are two types of people in the world. There are those that dance when ordered, and there are those when tell, and then there are those who tell people to dance. Which one do you think I am? So there you go. 
Um, all right, guys, I'm out. Thanks for coming by. See you guys later. How the hell do I even end it? How do I end this live end stream? There you go. I don't know how to do this. <laughs> See you later, peeps.